Hellcat or GTR in general? Oh, there's no competition there at all. GTR, always, any day of the week. Hellcats are real heavy, and they don't make a ton of power. You know what I'm saying? When was the last time you came across a 1,500-horsepower Hellcat? You come across 1,000-horsepower Hellcats all the time. And our special guest today, all the way from Texas, Mac Brosnan. Eat Sleep Race podcast. We're here at the PRI trade show. Recording live from our booth, I have my co-host and partner, Hugo ESR, and our special guest today, all the way from Texas, Mac Brosnan, owner and operator of you tell Trump. me. Yeah, give me give me uh give me your background, your titles. You got a lot. You got a lot going on. Yeah, um, yeah. I would say owner and operator, uh, partial owner and operator of the shop Houston um, slash Command Performance. That's a, a lot of things. Somebody actually asked me about that today. So Command Performance was originally in Connecticut, right? Yep. Yeah. So. Um, I started doing Evos, LS stuff. You know, LS stuff is what I what I kind of grew up on. LS stuff, 2J stuff, um, and then I had an Evo when I was in college, and, and it's always broken because it's an Evo. So that was a yellow one, right? No, black. No, never had a yellow one. Nope. Were your letters were yellow? Or something? Nope. Wrong guy. Wrong guy. Yeah. <laughs> My guy. It's your other, it's your other guy. <laughs> so you went from Evos. How did GTRs come in? Uh, I started when I was a freshman in college. I started working for uh, Doug Ross, a weapons grade performance. Uh, rest in peace. He passed uh, a couple years back, but uh, I started walking, working for him, and I learned GTRs that way. And when I started to do it full time, I really knew like Evos weren't it for me. You know, I didn't want. I hated working on them. Like I just, I just didn't. I didn't want to do that. So um, GTRs were it. For me from there because i already knew them inside and out you know so you're saying evos are hard to work on i mean they're just like i said they're always broken it's not and it's like, special i love team. them i i special place in my heart i still got one you know i got a i got a white 06 like did you, you ever know. work on subarus before because that's another thing about subarus everyone's you know oh i love working on subaru it's very lucrative subaru. job security those are always broken <laughs> <laughs> so i actually keep a subaru short block in stock at all times because they're no always bullshit. broken at least one because i'll buy them all the time because you find them on you find them on marketplace they kick the rod out of them they have a you know broken ring land something like that i buy them i already have a short block sitting there and i put the put it back together and sell Quick it flip. yeah so if you had to pick one preference would you rather work on mitsubishis or on subarus and why honestly as much as it pains me to say this the Subarus are actually easier to work on. And they break more often, meaning you have more customers? Yeah, uh, in a way, <laughs> in a way. I mean, I don't do too much of them anymore um, sh at the shop-wise, but I still, any chance I get to buy a broken STI, I buy it. Flip. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. Because people pay good money for them, obviously, and they're uh, always broken. So That's cool. Well, it's yeah. usually, you know, That's Evo, actually a good Evo thing. can be a lot of stuff. You know, Evo can be a transfer case. It can be a trans. You know, there can be different kinds of issues. But the Subaru is... The motor 95 percent just the motor and they have the same motors from you know the evo was only 03 to 06 with the same 4g63 and even then the 05 and 06 the, you know between 05 and 06 they went to the myvec motor so it changed yeah so there's a lot of different variables that subaru has the same short block from 04 to i don't even know when yeah you know? so once you modify these subarus i never had one they just break like they I mean, they're just, they're good cars. Don't get me wrong. I, again, pains me to say it, they drive way better because they have a 2.5 and they're, you know, they're the boxer engine. They, in my opinion, 
they're way better to drive uh, in terms of just driving around on the street because they're way more torquey. They, you know, they come on pretty good. Like it's, it's a, it, they're a good car, um, but they're just not as strong when they're stock. Um, they break ring lands a lot. Um, they spin bearings. They kick rods out of them when they're modified. You know, like an Evo, if you don't kill it and you put a bigger turbo on it, you can make like six hundred. You know, five fifty. It stays together, and it somewhat stays together. You know, if you don't fuck beat it up. on it the whole yeah. time. What's the horsepower you would say crosses the line from Mitsubishi's? Like once you hit this horsepower, you're gonna break. I mean, it's pretty much right what I what I said. Like you can push it over 500 wheel if you want, but you're still you could be on borrowed time at that point, you know. But so anything over 500 make, is risky. But to make 500 in a Subaru, it's 30 grand. Well, it was. I, like I said, I don't work on this stuff anymore, really. Right. So so I don't. You know, people could I could be sound like I'm talking out of my ass because I haven't looked at built Subaru parts prices in right. fucking, you know, so seven years. Roughly but. around, once you're hitting 500 on a Mitsubishi, that's the threshold. Like, get ready to break some stuff. Yeah, or just build it. But then you build it, and it doesn't cost you much to build it. The trannies are stout. Like, the, again, all this is, like, for the most part. Like, the Subaru has a good trans, too. The, the STIs have good transmissions. But for whatever reason, it just always costs way more to build the STIs than it did for the Evos. And, and now when we're talking is probably because of, you know, just the Mitsubishi guys, yeah. you know, like the 4G63, yeah, it changed a lot. But it's the same shit from a GTST, from a older Eagle Talon, like shared so, a lot of same parts. Yeah. So you don't you can do because the, the Mitsu guys, they do a lot with a little, yeah. you know, so that's that went and carried on into Evos and that made it uh so. Uh, that made it so they're probably cheaper to modify if I could take a guess, you know, because at the end of the day, it's a four-cylinder. You need four rods, you need four pistons, you know, whatever. But the Subaru parts always seem to be, like, a little bit more expensive. A little bit more specialty motor, too, with the boxer-style yeah. engine, yep. And then when we step into the GTRs making 500s all day. They make 500 stock. Stock, yeah, yeah. over. Yeah. So is there, um, obviously now, switching onto the GTR platform, easier to work on? For me? Yeah. I could take a GTR motor out faster than I could take an STI engine out, you know? So they're hard to work on in the fact that pretty much anything you want to do to it, that's... You got to pull the motor. Yep. Motor comes out the bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, but once you do it two or three times, it's easy. So you know? before you made the, cha- the, the move from Connecticut to Texas, how long were you doing command performance on the GTR side? When I first started, I had a small shop at one bay. So I didn't, I knew that I wanted to work on GTRs and I was working on them a little bit, but I didn't want to advertise that I was working on them because then you didn't want to get I want bombarded. someone to come and spend a hundred grand with me. I can't have their hundred thousand dollar car sitting outside my shop, right. you know, for three months while it's getting built. And I only had literally one lift, a dyno in a one bay shop. Like my dyno payment was more than my rent when I first started, you know? So it was hard for me to, to try to get the customers that I knew that I wanted in the future. So I, I kind of had to wait it out for a little while, and I did did my thing with the Evos and until I found the space, and then I was able to take the How many years would you say did it take you to switch from a one-bay shop to a, what is the next evolution? My next shop was, was the last shop I was in, in Connecticut. I just waited, and I saved my money, and I— How big was that? 3,600. How, um, many, how many lists so I went, could you fit in there? I went from like 900 and something square feet to Tripled. like 3,600, and it was plenty for, for what I was doing at the time. How many years did that take you to step into the 3,600 spot? Two, 
probably. It was it wasn't crazy long, but it was it was a difficult process, you know, like we it was hard. Like um I really was was forced to build my car, honestly. I didn't I didn't intend I never wanted a race car. I never wanted to have I wanted someone else to car. pay me to build their car to represent so my shop, you know. Your race car became your main marketing for your shop. Yeah, I didn't really have a I was kind of in a rock and a hard place like uh 2017 I went to move out of my shop cuz it was just too small. I was over I had cars everywhere in the parking lot. My landlord was always pissed and I signed a lease with a guy down the street. It was a I think it was Five Bays. It was a Five Bay shop, but it had residential stuff around it. And when we showed up to move in with the dyno and stuff like that, he withdrew the lease on the spot. Oh. So he didn't want the dyno on his property because he owned the whole property. <laughs> so he owned all the residential. And he already knew. We were out. I yeah. had no. No I, shop. I, we were out. Like the next person was moving in the next day. Oh, so wow. I had no shop. And uh, I had no shop for like, that happened in October. I had no shop until, I'd say almost six months. Until wow. about TX2K time. So March the following year in 2018. How so were you making money? That's. That's where, like, I was starting to hurt bad. So I was pretty much in a sink or swim position. And I, I have everybody always says, oh, I want you to build my GTR. It'll be your shop car, this, that, the other. But nobody ever came through. And I had the car already. And I was like, you know what? This is it. Fuck it. Make I, it or well, break I, it. Well, I was, I was losing customers because I didn't have anywhere to work on their shit. Right. And I could only work at night, you know, after my dad was done working at his shop. You know, so he, he he was literally right next door. So that's... You so know, you built your race car in his garage? I actually built my car in Jamie Marsh's shop. Oh. Yep. And uh, So this was during that downtime of you not having a space. You're like, let me just... Well, I I got the... I had the idea and I was like, you know what? Like, this is a little crazy, whatever. So at that time in the GTRs, nobody had been in the, seven, in the sevens on a stock exhaust manifold, which was a big deal for these cars because... You can have a stock exhaust manifold that makes, you know, 750. You can have a stock exhaust, excuse me, stock exhaust manifold that makes 1300. So nobody had gone sevens, and it was something that people were chasing. And for me, I'm not going to go and chase these guys that are going 730s. So I couldn't afford it. This was like one of the only affordable entries into that market, and I knew that was where I wanted to be. And one of the only ways to get there was to make, you know, make a splash. So. I just said fuck it, and I put, <laughs> I put money on my credit cards and bought a crank, wow. and I was buying shit that I didn't have the money for. Actually, um, you know, Victor's heard the story now, but I bought a, I committed to buy a transmission from Victor, and I didn't have the fucking money, and, <laughs> and he yeah, was. You like, rolled the dice on this. Oh yeah, big time. You didn't have a shop commitment yet. No, and wow. I told Vic I was gonna buy this trans, and I gave him a chunk up front which is the chunk that the kid gave me for the transit was in my car. Oh, man. And as the kid paid me for the transit in my car, I paid Vic, him and he eventually hit me up, and he's like, yo, what's, what's, what's going, going on? on? I was like, yo, I didn't finance, this, finance you this trans. I said, bro, just bought a house. I can't be spending, you know, I can only spend X amount a week. He said, oh, we weren't tight then. You know, yeah. now we're tight. Like, Victor's one of my best friends. But, um, you know, then I was like, Dude, I bought a house, like whatever. <laughs> I don't recommend anybody to do what Mac did. Yeah, that's that's yeah. that's a big gamble it you was, took on yourself. Yeah, and he uh he was like, Oh, me too, I get it, no problem. So wow. it took me like two more weeks and I paid him off. But it was a good deal. I needed that big of a transmission and then yeah, I did the same thing. I would put a thousand dollar deposit on something that was six grand, I didn't have the money. 
and I would have to figure it out. I'd and sold. eventually you got into this new shop. No, this was to, to build the car. I still didn't have a shop or a plan to have a shop. Because we had GTR World Cup at the the end of January. Yeah, the end down of January, Bradenton. Yeah. In Bradenton. And I knew that that was where I had to do it. Because there was other people chasing this record. Yeah. And at that point, the, t the GTR community was really, like, tight-knit, you know? So everybody knew what was going on. People were really following the stuff actively. The records were all, like, you know, figured but it out. It was a big thing lists, for the time. Yeah. All this stuff, yeah. So I was like, I need to do something i can't just say i work on gtrs and have all these people bring me gtrs i want to prove that i'm you the know, guy capable yeah and, yeah and the best so um so you so raced Hare, the gtr world cup broke the record yep. and is that it like it was fairy tale story from that it's, the, it's the call pretty, started rolling in yeah so oh, like really? we, i hit up rob harper on december 31st and i said hey i'm trying to do this and he said you'll never put the car together in time but if you do let me know and me and Chris Rice, the Chris that's that's always with me, we went, I asked Jamie, I said, I need to borrow your shop for a couple of weeks. We took the car apart. We, we built the car in like less than 30 days. We went down there. I just started it. That's it. Put it in the trailer. It wasn't tuned. Rob met me in Florida. We put it on the dyno at Titan. And we, yeah, we went out and we we're like, oh, you know, the front wheel drive's broken. And there's a whole like 1320 did a, a thing on it at that time. This is in 2018. And, uh, yeah, and we went, eventually we made it work throughout the weekend, and we end up going like 770, and it pissed a lot of people off. But you ended up getting a lot of customers off of that. Yeah, so somehow I get back, and we're like two weeks after, after World Cup probably. I was so without a shop, I didn't even set an alarm in the morning. And I looked over. Because you had nowhere to go. I had nowhere to go. Yeah. Like, I would just tell Chris, because Chris worked for me at the time. Chris stuck with me through the whole entire thing, and... Um, you know, I could barely even pay the kid. I didn't, I literally didn't, like, I, this was a huge, huge risk. Like, and I looked over, my phone was ringing and I answered it and it was some dude right by Jamie's shop, Jamie's landlord. And he hit me up. I had talked to him two months prior about the shop. I was like begging him to rent me. The shop was beautiful. Yeah. And he had a, a vacant lease. So they were still paying on it, but they weren't in there. I was begging him, to, and he hits me up, and it was like 7 a.m. I wouldn't even have been up, and I just happened to roll over. My phone was ringing. I answered it. He said, if you want it, it's yours. I went down there, and literally right after that event, the phone started ringing. Yeah. But I couldn't take in any work, really. You didn't have no you place know? to do it. And then after that, it was just. The rest is history. So yep. you moved into this new shop. You end up moving to Houston for the shop Houston. A year later, probably. Uh, a little over a year later. All that effort to get a new spot, and you end up leaving a year later. Yeah, it was a year. It probably it was a year and a half. And even that, I wasn't even plant. I wasn't even zoned for automotive in that shop. And I was getting ready for TX2K, and I was bringing three cars. And I literally like begged the guy. I'm like, listen, I'm gonna go through with the zoning. So I had to go through planning and zoning with the town, all the stuff. I'm like, I'm gonna go through with the zoning, but I need you to let me put up one lift. Like I'll I won't mount anything to the walls. I just need to put one lift in here and work. And so we were able to do that and built the cars for the event. And we brought three cars down there. We won two classes. The other car that came with me was in my class. So I won that class. My buddy Dan won the other class. We won uh, we won one and run it up at GTR World Cup before then. So we started to make a, a pretty decent name for ourselves. And it was, a, I mean, depending on who you asked, you know, we like I said, we were upsetting upset a lot of people. A lot we're of people. 23 years old, yeah. you know, out there. I was just about to ask. Street racers, talking young shit. kids. Yeah, like people were coming over like, you're a piece of shit. <laughs> like, you know, these older guys. That's and, wild when you put this into retrospect because everything that you're saying, you were 23. Yeah. 
Man, good for you. Yeah, it was, dude. It was hard. It was like a, it was a, a huge risk. And like I said, I bet on it. I put that. I put my billet crank on a credit card. I told some dude I was gonna buy his Motec. I gave him a thousand bucks. I had that was the thousand bucks I had. You, you gamble? Know? No. Cause you got that. <laughs> you got the guts that no. I can see you like a online blackjack like, player. Or I something. was like, yeah, I'll pay. You know, next week I got some money coming in. Whatever. I sold the titanium exhaust off my car because I was like, fuck it, it's not a street car anymore. Yeah, you don't need it. Sold it and I paid for. I bought a used Motec. Like I, I just literally made it work. And uh, so I know there's the shop CT and then the shop Houston. You're in, you're in CT already. Yeah. What's the dynamic of that? And did they hire you? And did you partner because? Command was doing so well? Well, that's why they, they had contacted me originally. Um, originally, I went down there to train some of their guys. Um, why weren't they doing any of this in the CT? Because that existed No, it's, already. Di it's totally di totally separate entities. Oh. They're just the same kind of name. Get out of here. Yeah, no, I thought they were no, co-related. No, nope, not at all. Did it's not just, know that. They, Shop Houston already existed. They were doing GTRs and trying to get big into the GTR market, and there's so many GTRs in Houston. And... I went down there to train some of their guys because they were just having a hard time. Like, they were getting the business, but they were having a hard time getting the cars done. Like, they just didn't have the guys that knew the platform enough to, you know, to turn get to work the finish around. line. You know what I'm saying? So, um, I went down there originally just to, to start training their guys. And then they had made me an offer, and we went back and forth. And eventually, it, it came to where, you know, we agreed on something. But Enough yeah, to get just, you to close your shop in CT. Did you end up closing that shop? Yeah, I mean, I still do, uh, I still do some stuff, but I'm not up there enough to advertise it because then I'm gonna have a full shop and I'm not gonna be getting people. Oh, so stuff that done. building, that lease still exists. No, no, I, I moved out of there, and uh -huh. he actually, it was a three-year lease, and the landlord was because I had no intention of moving, obviously, yeah. you know, and he let me out early. You know, you know, he was he was really cool. That guy helped me out a lot. Um, but yeah, that's uh, so they made me the offer, and then I was like, you know, whatever. I would and it's be. It's been how many years? Four now. Yep. That was a life-changing offer he made you. It was, It was again, it was very difficult. You know, the original owner of the shop, originally I went down there to be, you know, an employee. Um, you know, we're, we're making it a merger. You know, I was bringing command down there and whatever. But originally I went down there and I wasn't an owner. And the owner had some financial backing and shit hit the fan eventually. Um, and it got difficult there too. And we had no choice. Oh, but really? To, yeah, we, you know, for for lack of better words, we we got left high and dry mm. at one point, and we had to pick up the pieces really quick. Oh, so whoever was backing it dipped well, out. And the owner, yeah. So now we own the place. Oh, the original owner of the shop, Houston. Yeah, yep. So his backing, you know, went away, and... And he went away. And he went away. What? Not like he didn't go to jail or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, like, like, I'm done. Didn't say a word. We just were about to not have a job, so we didn't have a choice. So then, who who wanted up? Like, was uh, it your we decision? Ended up getting a uh, one of our customers that had said something about being part of the shop already. Yeah, he's now a majority owner wow. and one of my business partners. Okay. Um, and he was like, "Yeah, let's do it." So me, um, two two of my other partners have, uh, you know, twenty percent, twenty percent. 10% and the other guys, uh, you know, and, and Chris majority has, owner. has, yeah, he's the majority owner. So, so why did it, why did you end up still keeping the name when you were originally Command Performance? Why not like, all right, well, Shop Houston's gone. Why don't we just make the shop Because we had the, at that point, this was two years in. So shop we Houston were already turning, Shop too. Houston was starting to build a, a good name as well. Got it. I honestly, 
the whole deal with me moving down there was I told them like, I, you know, we could do whatever, but I just wanted to keep Command alive because we had those retro shirts. Like, yeah. the whole reason my shop was called Command is because back in the day, my dad had a shop in, in Corona and it was called Command Performance. And I just remember him telling me stories when I was a little kid and everything. So when we went to open the shop, he, you know, he asked what I was going to call it, and I was like, yeah, yeah, command performance." Keep, keep, and he was, he was excited, yeah, because he's, oh, I didn't, you know, because you knew that that's what he would like it to be called, but he, you know, he just he didn't think I thought it was cool. Or so whatever. we're gonna bring it back now that you brought your parents up. I had a conversation with them earlier of, like, Max is, you know, self-taught in most of working on cars. Am I correct? Yeah. So that I, in the cars that I work on, at right. least, you know, but but you've I've, been around it. Yeah, my I mean, dad's that. always had a car. Did you ever have formal education, like mechanic school or trade school or anything? No, no. So that was the conversation that we had, and I was like, that's pretty cool that he's so, um, like, he's got the gearhead, you know, ability to work on cars without formal education. And they're like, well, Max's been talking about racing. Like, he would talk in his sleep. Sleep, yeah, yeah. Something I've about, like, a stories. two, what is it, a two-stroke two and a four-stroke. Talking about two-strokes and, and four-strokes while yeah. he's sleeping. They're like... This is in Max blood. So I was like, so why is that? And I found out that your dad owned a shop previously or worked at a shop. Yeah, so my dad's always been a mechanic like my whole life. Um, he was uh tech at Honda. Um, you know, he's always he's the guy that he can fix, you know, anything, you know. Um he's not It's uh, in the genes. It's not but it wasn't really a race car thing and it's not, you know, so like the I like I said, in some aspects I'm self taught in terms of like the turbo stuff and the all the fuel stuff, injection yeah. stuff and everything like that. But, like, how to use my hands yeah, definitely came from, came your dad. from my dad. Yeah, And like, then they also supported your yeah, now new habit of racing because yeah. originally you started off in a junior dragster. Yep. Yeah, so when I was a kid, they told me if I could get good enough grades that they would get, that you know, that they would consider getting me a race car, you know. And we didn't, you know, back then I was like, wow, you know. How old? 10 or something like that. I was in like third or fourth grade it took me until I was till it took me until I was in uh like seventh grade to get the good grades <laughs> <laughs> those are and, supposed to be easy years right oh yeah yeah no those were that was when I, I always had to get the good grades when it's still ones twos and threes I didn't even have A's and B's right right and it took me until I was far into the A's B's and C's I was in seventh grade by the time I got it but um yeah we started off with the a little like a base car I think it was like 3,500 bucks and it was just got you not, hooked. Yeah, it was like well, I knew that I wanted to do that because my dad always had a, a little like a street car, so he had yep. a, a Regal with a big block Chevy in it. So I'd go to the track with him. I remember crying at the glass door and my, you know, when he was leaving on a Friday and I had to go to school and I couldn't go to the track with him. He's going to a rental or something like that. So that's what that's what started it for sure. And then I got into street cars and it was all over from there really. So move fast forward now to Command Performance slash the Shop Houston. Um, after meeting you, your car has been through a couple of different changes. Um, this last setup is something different. I think you're pretty much the only GTR out there yep. with that setup. Can you uh, run that setup real quick? Yeah. So this year, really, if I go back like year and a half, I, and what I tell everybody else, I just love racing. You know what I'm saying? I love racing the car and the GTR is just not the best platform for it. You can't run on a pro tree can't bump it into the beams you know so it's hard to stage the car it has a delay when you let off the brake like it's such a capable platform but there's motor so many wise things, there's so yeah. many things holding you back because like even even all that stuff we went 690s just like that 
Mm-hmm. But in terms of actually competing, like that's great to keep running and keep setting records. What am I gonna do now after that? Go fives with a stock GTR transmission? It's never gonna happen. You're just blowing money, and you know, it, it was just not feasible. So I was like, I was driving one time to Maryland to to World Cup two mm-hmm. years ago, and I was like, I'm going 30 hours right now with a transmission in this car that might last one pass or a hundred. It costs 30 grand and you just don't know. And I'm not even gonna win anything. I'm just gonna go and try to run a number, you know? I was like, this is the dumbest shit in the world. Sure enough, I had knock on wood, I had never broken that transmission. Cause I would, I was scared to break cause I couldn't afford to fix it. I would just always refresh it. So I would send it in get it checked out. If this was cracked, I'd replace one gear before I shattered one and ruined the whole gear set, you know? And I broke it and I was like, fuck this, that's done. Oh. And I put a turbo 400 in the car. <laughs> So we put a 400 in the car, um, and then I started really getting, because now I could go to any race. Mm-hmm. I could show up. I could bump the car in. I could leave on a pro tree just like everybody else. The car was going fast as hell. So then after that, we put a we put a four-link in it to make it really 60-foot. We come out with the car. It goes 107 to the 60-foot. Like, we knew that the car was really capable of going really fast, you know? And then I started looking, and I can't, I couldn't compete in any classes. So with the twin turbos, it put me out of a lot of the the top classes for radial racing and stuff like that. So I can go and I can grudge race. Most of the time you show up to a grudge event on a 275 and there's guys going 390s, 380s. You know, like you're not going to yeah. win anything that way either. And I love grudge racing because I love street racing. But so Just be realistic. Yep. So now this year we cut the front of the car apart and we put a single turbo on it. So now we got a ProMod 88 on it so we can run X275. And that was the the motive behind this whole change is because just so I can race the car more. More so races. now I can go to all these same small tire events still, but now I can go to all these X275 races and I can race at VIX track and I can race at X. Because at the end of the day, like if, I, if there's a big race and nobody I know is going, I don't even go. I just like racing with my friends and, and being around everybody and, and having a good time at the end of the day because that was that was one of the biggest things that really pissed everybody off when we started. We were all 23 years old and we were out there having a blast. Just having fun. And ruining these guys' day, you know, because we were having fun. We had 40 kids out there with T-shirts on and, you know, Vic used to used to make comments online all the time like that you'd always know when one of our cars was coming up because there would be a whole, you know, Gang. crowd of people behind it like a street race, you yeah. know. And, um, yeah, so that that's my biggest thing. And if I can't compete in the classes that race at the events that my guy, that my buddies race at, then what, know, what's, what, it, what's for? it for? So. What's the worst part about winning races? I don't know. You told me earlier. About winning races? Yeah. You mentioned earlier how oh, you had more fun competition. losing yeah. races. Oh, yeah. When you so go let's, in, let's bring that back. Yeah. Well, so the better was, question <laughs> is, what's so good about losing races? Well, when you're not competitive at all, you know what to expect. Like, I actually was just talking about this the you other day. You expect to lose. Yeah, yeah. You're like, <laughs> so So if you win one round, you're like, fuck, yeah. You know? Or, then you want to keep yeah, winning. We're going now. No, no, but I'm saying, like, you're you're happy as hell if you win one round. You're like, all right, well, we made it one round. Because if you're always a loser, yeah, it's, it's cool when you win once. Yeah, exactly. But when you start to win, then it gets, you know, then you get competitive. And It's not fun any, anymore. Anything less than that is disappointing. You know, so like even World Cup this year, I'm like, why didn't I have as much fun as last year? And I was like, last year I got clipped first round, so I was hanging out. <laughs> and now <laughs> I went to the semis, we're swapping a motor between rounds, and you know, and we didn't even make it, but we took this motor out of this car. We had the car running, and the guy goes and runs a bye without us. 
you know so like we're thrashing all the time and the more competitive you are like it's more work. i hate to say sometimes it's not as fun you know because when you go and you show up and then you get clipped first round and all your boys are still there and they might be racing you're watching them like you're having a good time still yeah but now by the time i got to watch racing it was final round when winning isn't fun yeah there's a lot. <laughs> yeah, I guess this is a double-edged sword. I like how you mentioned that earlier because you said when you were on the side when, or your parents were saying when you were junior, um, junior drag racing. Yeah, because like you just I started, started. You weren't winning races, but you were having a blast. Like, I started with a car that like wasn't competitive, so every weekend I was going out to get clipped first round, and I was just happy to be there. You know, that's cool. And that's uh, so it was real fun. And then towards my last year, I was com- competing for the points championship. And if I lost anything, I was pissed the whole time. My first year, I was just cool. It was the best you know? time of your life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Watch the rest of the racing and go to Outback after or something like that, you know? I was having a blast. It, it got – it. I could see that. It gets stressful when you're competing. Meanwhile, I guess I could compare it to racing go-karts, you know, at like um, supercharged or pole position. I'm not going out there to compete. I'm just get. I, I want to floor it. I, wanna, I just want to have a good time. Nah, Versus if, if we were there, racing a league I'm or there, something, I'm putting you in the fucking wall, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so from now, from so for now, it's shop Houston command performing. Like, what's the future for you guys? What are you? What are you? You guys want to start working on different platforms? I know you. You know, you guys are starting to get into some of the higher end cars above the GTRs. That's something that you guys going to get into more or more, just That's more selective. Tough, it's a tough question because the whole industry right now kind of is a question mark. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? The Unfortunately, aftermarket and performance stuff is typically, not for everybody, but it's typically a direct reflection of the market, mm-hmm. you know, of the no, economy. It is. it is. Because one of my buddies put it to me this way the other day. You know, he owns a roofing company. He said, dude, if shit hits the fan, the first thing I'm doing is selling my cars. Yeah. But when shit hits the fan, people still have to fix the hole in their roof. You know yep. what I'm saying? So the performance, Priorities change. performance industry is really hard to do, man. Mm-hmm. Um, so... It's hard to even say because you kind of just you kind of just go with the flow. Yeah, you here's know, what, what I whatever's like. Whatever's working at the time. Here's what I like about the performance industry. We're here at PRI, one of the biggest trade shows specific for performance racing parts, if not the biggest. This is a huge show. I think we were talking about it earlier in terms of displays and vendors here. This is the most we've seen because it's growing into going towards the Lucas Oil Stadium. So just in perspective, there's, I believe, three different hallways, a lot of sub-hallways. Every room's full. Oh, yeah. So in terms of the industry as a whole, speaking to a lot of other um, colleagues in the industry, everyone's doing good right now. What I like about racing, even though it is a, um, it's not a necessity, racing's expensive, right? Yeah. So if you're racing, it means you're making money. You're in a good industry. You're in a in-demand industry. So even if the economy is shifting and, you know, some people aren't making enough money, the people who are racing these cars are still, are still making money. Yeah. So your roofers, your plumbers, everyone who's your electricians, everyone who's still in demand, those are the same people that are racing. racing. Yeah. So what's that mean for the industry as a whole? They're still buying parts. Yeah. They're still going to events. So although, you know, there is that... Um, Economy as a whole. Economy as a whole may be in a limbo right now. We don't know. Are we going this way? Are we going that way? The people who are spending the money, the people who are actively racing and competing, 
they've got money and they're 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 not worried about making money because a lot of these guys, once we talk to, they're they're overworked right now. We got too much work. Yeah. So the, what happens when you're the best in what you do? Yeah, I mean it's it's it can go it's a good problem. Ways, you know, because I want to say like most of, of your customers, they all got money. Well, yeah, <laughs> that's true. But a lot of my guys are streetcar guys. You know, I race, but a lot of my guys are businessmen and stuff like that. A lot of the pro mod guys, a lot of big competition guys, those guys have businesses. Those guys own construction that, companies, yeah, this so, and that. So that's that's where I can see it from like both. Difference. I can see from both mm-hmm. sides for sure. But it's hard when I have a car that costs hundreds of thousands of dollars a year to run and my business depends on other people spending money on their cars like that's that's actually you know if you want my my whole honest opinion one of the main reasons i moved to houston was because i went to street outlaws and i noticed that every single person out there was doing something different to make money they had construction companies concrete companies towing companies stuff that was making them money while they were doing what they like to do and that I swear on anything. You go back and look at any other interviews. I'll say the same thing. That's why I was like, I need to do something different because they're they all have something else that's funding, that's letting them do what they love to do. Because I'm out there. I've got all my guys with me. We're not making any money at the shop. I'm losing money actively while I'm out there. But I had the best time of my life. That was the first year we went to shoot. You told me that when we raced in Memphis. I had more fun racing there than I ever have in my life. We were out there racing on the street from sundown to sunup. We'd sleep for a couple of hours. We'd go fuck around in Memphis. We'd be testing the car on the street somewhere random in Memphis. Nobody break, Nobody's bothering you. And then we'd go, we'd race it at night. Like we were just having the time of our lives. I'm like, how can I do this and have that much fun? Because like I said, that was, you know, it's it sucks to say this, but like that's one of the only times I'm like truly happy. You know? So was that one of the motivating forces for you to go down to? Yeah, because when I'm when I'm up in Connecticut by myself, that whole oh. shop depends on me. Yeah, you know, you're putting every dollar you have back into it. You're not taking any money out of it, because unfortunately, the way the industry is, this guy owes you sixty grand. This guy's got a twenty thousand dollar bill. So it went from ten thousand for Evos to now I'm I'm I've got a hundred and thirty thousand dollars in receivables on you know on my QuickBooks. Yeah. That. Oh well, this guy doesn't want to pay till his car's done getting tuned. So now I'm waiting on a tuner for two weeks. You know, it's it's just a lot of stuff floating it's around. A, yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a it's hard, hard juggle, hard thing to be in. So it's the motivation for me to go to Houston was I was getting a check. Eliminate some yeah. of that, you know. And like I love owning my own business. I'll never not. You know, I hate that. I'm not going to sound like an asshole or something. Like that. I'll never work for somebody ever again because. You, you know, there's, there's so many, yeah, there's so many no, benefits to that. But when I'm able to at least take a check from it, now I can put a little bit of money. I know how much money I'm getting every week. I can put a little bit of money into other things yep. to make me more money. And that's the end goal. So that's why I said it's a tough question where the future is for the shop. The shop will always be there, you know. Just the direction it's going to go in. Yeah. And that could always change. It can always change based on whatever. So the shop always survives. But in terms of like for me, like that was that was my motivation really was to go and be in one of those other industries to where it's not affected, to where You're I'm learning. still spending money yeah. on my race car. I'm still racing because again, like I said, that's one of the only things that makes me happy really. So yeah. like it's it's one of those things when 
that's why it's really hard to be in the race car business and have a race car. Yep. You know, it's in the same business. Yeah, it's hard. You 100%. Know, it's, even, it's even hard to enjoy it sometimes. You know, yeah, when you a, have it get stressful. Sometimes I, I've been to TX2K and I've had 15 cars in my pit. When do you, when, how do you enjoy when, racing when do you, your car? When do you work on your own? How do you enjoy racing your car when this guy's complaining that this didn't get done? This guy's complaining that this is broken. You know, this, yeah. that, the other. And it I'm becomes like, it becomes overwhelming, dude. I've I've I got to give the, guys clipboards and each person's assigned to a certain car yeah. to work on. Like it's hectic. So yep. that's when it make, becomes not fun. It's not fun. Yeah. But then you win the event and you're like, that was the best thing in the world. Yeah. But you look back at it and you're like, that was not the best <laughs> thing at all. Not on my end. No, no. So I, that's what I'm saying. Like I yep. I won 2K this year. And it was amazing. For me, that, that one meant a lot. You know, that was the 10th year I've been to TX2K. Um, I think it was the Eat, Sleep, Race helmet, if, you it, know, out of everything that you were doing. Luck. It might have been good luck. We have that, too. I did bring <laughs> it. Oh, you did bring yeah. it? I got to be my first time seeing that helmet in person. That's really? a good luck Texas 2K it helmet. It you know, might be a little scratched up by now, bouncing around inside the That's car cool. or whatever. That's cool. But we got it. Lefty brought it. Nah, man. We definitely have some good times, so good memories. This, um, on TikTok, on uh, Instagram reels, those uh, entrepreneur memes of the saying, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. Talk about that. That's a fucking lie. <laughs> um, I mean, there is there is some truth to it. You know, like I said, I'll never work for somebody again. And I'll always have a shop because I do love it. But I always told myself when I was a kid that I was never going to have a shop because I wanted it to remain my passion and my hobby. And, you know, things just worked out that way to where it became, you know, but like right now, like I said, I'm actively working on investing in other things to where I'm not dependent on that. You right. know, I don't want to have, I don't want my business to be hurting to fit, to feed my hobby. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Um, so it's, it's definitely, there is, is some truth to it for sure. Because at the end of the day, I don't wake up every day and dread my job. You know what I'm saying? Right. I wake up every day. I would say for the most part, excited for like at least a couple minutes and then someone ruins the day, you know? <laughs> but like the first couple minutes, I'm like, fuck, I don't want to go to work. Every day I'm like, all right, I, I'm going to get this done. I'm going to get that done. You already Whatever. have a plan. Yeah. yeah. And then like usually before I even get in the shower, someone will call me and ruin my day. But Yeah, like where the hell is my car at? <laughs> you know, but. Like, what's the status? But up until, up until then, yeah, I'm excited. So, you know, a lot of people can't say that. And so it's easy to complain about anything, honestly. But when you're. At the end of the day, like it is the coolest shit in the world. Last last year, Trap and I were in Florida for a week. We just flew to Florida. The truck and trailer was already there. We tested the car for two days. We serviced it for a day. We raced it on Friday. We raced it on Saturday. We put it in the trailer and came back home. You can't. There's nothing you could ever do to complain about that because at the end of the day, that's that's what I love to do. You yeah. Know? And you wouldn't be able to do that if you weren't your own boss. Weren't yeah. your own boss, of it, you know. I gotta call out this, that, and the other. Yeah. Oh, Do you I can't have get enough things days? off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was actually the the one stipulation when I moved to the because originally, like I said, originally I was, I was supposed to be an employee, an employee yeah. quote unquote. You know, I told them I said I'm not coming down here to be an, you know to work for you guys. I'm coming down here to work with you guys. But the only thing I can I can promise you is I don't have the vacation days. You know, like yeah, because at the end of the day, I might take off two Fridays every month. Or I might take off a week in January to go snowmobiling or something like that. Yeah. But yeah. I'm in there Saturday, Sunday. Make I'm, I'm putting till, in my time. I'm yeah. in there until eight or nine o'clock at right. night. Making sure everything's you know, still every done. Every single day, almost to this day, I'm still in there. You know, when I'm in Houston, yeah. which I travel a lot, um, when I'm in Houston, I'm there until you know eight or nine o'clock probably every night. Yeah. I think a lesson to take away from this is if you're good at what you you do, 
if you're good at what you do, you get to set your terms based on, you know, you're in demand. Yeah. yeah. Like if somebody wants your talent, well, this is this, this is what is my, this take. is what I want. This is what if you want me, this is my terms. Like if you're good at computers, cool, y'all want me? I work at home. Just yeah. letting you know. And <laughs> that guy's got a skill we need. All right, bro, whatever you need. Yeah. So for you, fortunately, you know, not formally taught, you were able to hone on the skills that you knew, especially in the GTR community, on the GTR platform, and you turned into the man in demand. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, the formal teaching thing is is hard because I actually try not to hire anybody that was formally taught. You know, because you only you only learn one thing. You know, you yep. don't learn how adaptive. to make it work. So I've met people that are formally trained to be a diesel tech for Ford that couldn't change injectors on a Saturn. Yeah. How the fuck are you supposed to do a head gasket on a six liter of Ford? They have no and idea. You can't even change your own injectors. And you've hired car. quite a few people. No, but yeah, but I'm yeah, for sure. But so you're I saying you would to, prefer to hire I don't, someone? I don't think I have a single I don't think I've ever hired a single person that went to school for automotive. It's usually people that learn on their own stuff because they figure out how it works, you know? You can solvers. learn anything. You can learn anything in a book. Yeah. So how did you find most of the guys that you work that work at I the I hire shop? young guys that I can teach how I want them to work. So if somebody wants to work at the shop, Houston, how do they even? I usually look at their work, you know? So you don't, have to send, you don't yeah, necessarily try. have to send me a formal resume. Send me some pictures. Send me some stuff that you've done, work that you've actually done. Um, that's how I hired the first kid. On the ever. GTR platform or just no, in general? Because anybody can, if, as long as you can use your hands, you can, you can, you know, you can do anything. As long yeah. as you can, and, and I say this with the most confidence, some people might not agree with me. If you can build a car, you can literally do anything. I had to fix the, like, the um, garbage disposal in my house the other day. I took the whole sink apart and I took the trap off. This not, I never done plumbing. I was like, figured it out. Yeah. Because if you One can do things. a whole fuel system on a car, you can do you can do a lot of other stuff. So that's how I hired the first kid that ever worked for me. I looked at his car that he was driving, and you could tell it was put together with no money, but it was put together very well because he cared. Yeah. You know? And he figured it out. So that's that's the biggest thing for me because you can go to school and you can learn anything. And the minute you run into something that you haven't learned that somebody didn't teach you, you're stuck. You're done. Like my yeah. Evo, the first time I took the transfer case, that probably took me two days. So there's um on the uh, Instagram or YouTube this thing going around with Dan Rue. Oh yeah, yeah. Dan Rue said that he could beat any. Ain't no Hellcat f- fucking with him. That's a fact. All right. And you built Dan's car. Yeah. These guys are unrealistic. You know what I'm saying? Like they don't know how fast that that car actually is, and it's not. No, I'm the, not nobody saying... knows how fast that car is. No, people do. You know, but like, and I'm not saying that nobody can fuck with it. But, like, Hellcats are real heavy, and they don't make a ton of power. You know what I'm saying? When was the last time you came across a 1,500-horsepower Hellcat? You come across 1,000-horsepower Hellcats all the time. So you there's know? this uh, there's a shop. We did a podcast with him, Ripatune, who said he's got the smoke. Hey, he doesn't. I don't know who it is, but he, he's lying. I mean, but, but, he, he, but he made a formal call, and he said, from a roll. Yeah, 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 roll racing. Because he doesn't race his car from a dig. Right, right, you know? right. And sure, you know, people knock roll racing, oh, that's gay, whatever. If, if you think that's hey, gay, that's what you we have that. plenty of cars that race from a dig, too. Yeah, and we, you can come with any one of them, and, you know, they all make similar power to Dan's, you know, and we could try it out. But, like, I'm really looking forward to, to this watching We're going to set that up. We're going to we're gonna make sure that we're, we're part of that setup. And yeah, because Rip was We're going to get it going. He's, he's communicating with Dan on private DM, yeah. and Dan said, set it up. I'll make it happen because I respect Ripple, right? Yeah. 
He's like a lot of guys hit me he's up. He's like a big. He's a big uh, Jersey Jersey shop that specializes in the Hellcat. I got you. Platform. So yeah, that'll, no, probably, not, that'll probably be going down. The, the thing is like. He can't say, oh, there it will never happen. None of them will ever beat me. This and that the other. But like, it would be very hard for one of those cars to compete and we with get that it. GTR. And we get it. World. And we this just, is, we just like the, the competition. To see. Oh, we just yeah. like the competition. I mean, there, so. dude, there's there's all and kinds I like of, it there's always both somebody. of you guys are friends. There's all kinds of podcasts. <laughs> there's all kinds of podcasts now that have stemmed off that. Yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. well, we'll But that's beat. a good call. Yeah. It's we'll, a it's a good uh, yeah, topic to talk about. Here's a good topic. Not Hellcat exactly. Does it have to be Hellcat exactly? Mopar in general? Well, it's a it's a Hellcat, like it's a, a Hellcat. Challenger Charger Hellcat. Yeah. All right. So, to you, Hellcat or GTR in general? Oh, there's no competition there at all. A GTR always, any day of the week. All right, man. If I wanted a rental car, I'd just go rent one from Enterprise. So. <laughs> 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 Looking forward to seeing that. That's race. what it is—a Charger. That's a. That's every. Any you can get one of those at any enterprise. So Mac, we appreciate you being on the podcast. If uh, people want to follow you on social media, drop your social media handles. Uh, Mac Bros on Instagram, Mac Bros Seven. So. M A C B R O S Seven. Yep. At Brian E S R. Hugo E S R. Appreciate you guys watching. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure you like, comment, subscribe. And we had a short one today. You know what's going to happen next? We're due for a part two. Yeah, we might have to, to roll up to Connecticut, get you guys eating some real pizza. That's nah. another topic we got to talk about. <laughs> Connecticut pizza sucks. Yeah, right.